I don't know uh, if if uh, I hope you probably don't know at all, but uh, this is the um, I have my special KOT branded mug here. And, I love that for you. And it says, uh, "Don't talk to me until I've had my nutrient slurry," um, which is a reference to uh, one of my favorite books of all time, uh, which I'm sure you, you you know you know the Scorpions Mate, right? Yay! Yeah. Yeah, don't talk. Yeah. Don't talk to me until I've had my nutrient slurry. I love that. Yeah, love it's that. good. It's a- I have not read it, but I have seen that quote. You know, is it? It was very foundational for me. I think as like a yeah. as a as a monster romance reader and kind of um, realizing that I don't think I have a line. <laughs> I mean, it looks cool. I'll try it. It's just some things show up in my well, and also. <laughs> Amazon search has fully broken now. I was looking yesterday because I was trying to do one of my chaos searches, and I usually start those by going in chronological order of what's recently published. Mm-hmm. First of all, it took 60 pages to get to actually what's currently published because, you know, it shows all the stuff that's upcoming, which is nice. Yeah. Except it's very broken because there was inspi romance, historical romance, contemporary romance, romance that was very clearly not at all aligned with paranormal romance. So, um, I might just have to start switching to just reading people's recommendations instead of diving deep to find random shit. So yeah, I mean their yeah. their their freaking algorithm has been so bad for so long. Um, oh man, I I and also now they changed the app where like I went into search like they had previously if you went into your Kindle app on your like phone mm-hmm. or whatever you would um like uh. It would, like, if you wanted to look for new stuff, you'd go to, like, the browse window, and right, they, they would, right, it would be, like, a storefront. You could look at, like, recommended stuff. You could look at, like, what's new, mm-hmm. whatever, which was never great, right? Like, you get the same, like, 50 books promoted to you again and again and again and again right, and again, right, no matter right. what you looked at. Um, whatever. But, like, it was something. And now they've mixed it all together. Oh, gosh. So Yeah, I'm looking, and it's confusing. It's You have to just... Because previously, if you typed search something to search into, like, your Kindle, it would search only what it had on your Kindle, whether that's your phone or whatever. Um, yeah. Now it searches everything. So you have to go into the same tab and look for something. And if you want to look for, like, a new author, you have to type it into that window, which is really weird and confusing. Oh, my gosh. But I, I also am now realizing that I have all these books I had no idea I had. So that's <laughs> befuddling. Okay, cool. Thanks for me to look at later. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> also, I think um, if you if you look at the tab, I think they changed it specifically. I, I think they're trying to streamline it, which is fine, but also they did it in a silly way. But I think they're mm-hmm. also trying really hard to push the um, uh, the the um, the like Vela at the bottom. If you look at it, like it's its own thing yeah. now, um, which is never going to happen. Um, Amazon, so stop trying. Yeah. Anyway, hi and welcome to the Human with First Podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly. I'm with Sahar. How are you doing? Hello, how are you? I'm good. What do you do? Who are you? I am Sahar. So I am the Associate Editor-in-Chief at The Fundamentals, which is a media magazine website. We are based out of LA, like many websites, but our writers are all global. 
and I am in charge of getting all of our writers, so like helping them with their first articles and edits and all that jazz, but then also I write a lot, so I write about pretty much whatever is I'm interested in. So originally when I started, I was writing a lot about like TV, but I veered into a lot of games, books, things like that. Yeah, and so you invited me to talk about visual novels, which I'm also super into and has been kind of my like shtick for the site. That's kind of primarily the space I'm in for game reviews, though I also do a lot of reviews on interactive games. That was redundant, all games are, well, I guess not all games are interactive, but specifically in the context of like narrative and adventure, and so like talking to characters and like making things, stuff like that, and then also board games, because at one point we had a very large board game collection to get through because the pandemic happened, so of course we couldn't get people to play them. So I was like, okay, Dan, who's our game editor, why don't you just send me a bunch, and I will just harass all of my friends to play them with me safely. So now I'm into board gaming. I love that. I, I, <laughs> I'm I trying to wait. Are we talking? Hold on. Are we talking about? I know you don't write exclusively about romance, but in my head, the first thing I thought of was romance board games. I wish there and were some. There's unfortunately. I have questions. Well, I mean, there's like tabletop, right? And I'm honestly not yeah. very good at tabletop because I've never, I've never played D&D. My very first ever review of anything tabletop was actually a solo run of Dragonlance and frankly I'm not gonna lie I had to look up a lot on Wikipedia because I don't know enough about the like Dungeons and Dragons like extended universe if that's what that's called Dan would be like Sarah mm-hmm. I've already taught you all this so I'm gonna be like I'm sorry but um yeah I mean I do primarily focus on romance oriented games but I'm not opposed to like for example I've been working my way through the original House Flipper because I wanted something where I felt like I was being <laughs> productive and it's way more fun to lay lawn grass in a game than it is to do it outside especially when it's 100 degrees in texas so yes um, yeah i am primarily romance focused but i mean i play all sorts of stuff and the board games are usually like really random because the board game industry if you didn't know and for anyone listening is very large and very chaotic and so there are games that are franchise games of course so ravensburger is a big company they have all sorts of stuff for like um disney games and whatnot and there's games like i just played a game where literally you have cards that are cubist art and the idea is that you're building the best exhibition and every round you build a larger deck so that at the very end you can say that you had the most awards and it's super simple like it's literally just a game where you pick up cards and build a deck but it's a lot of fun because it has a lot of things like um uno and other card games so for example if you pick up a seven you can draw another card you can place that card down if before that seven you played a five you can get another card so you could ostensibly just playing that round forever if all your cards are five sixes and sevens which is what happened when my friend and I played and so he won by like a massive difference <laughs> um so yeah so you never really know what's gonna happen and it's a lot of fun that's cool I I struggle with board games because I um I think it's part of honestly like looking back I think it's part of uh being dyslexic mm-hmm. like I really 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 struggle mm-hmm. with keeping the rules oh yeah in my head no they're awful like I I can't I can't do it and I get very frustrated very quickly because it's like it's like quicksand yeah. like I can't just like nothing nothing I do will make them stick um and uh the pretty much only board game I'm good at is freaking scrabble no but um, actually, <laughs> um it's not just you like yes it is partly that but it's specifically because so much of the board game industry is just bad at making rules like i regularly yeah. in my reviews i'm like if it takes me one more than 20 minutes to set up and learn i'm not going to be interested and some games so um there's different types of games so euro games are known for being very intense and very heavy which means simultaneously both like the weight of the game there's a lot of stuff in it and also there's just a lot going on 
I've only reviewed a couple and all of those times I've had a I've just had a terrible time because it's literally like to set up the whole game board is an hour and now you have to read literally a 67 page rule book so I try really hard to pick games that are going to be friendly and like fun I do a lot of party game reviews so that they are supposed to be like yes you might have to read the rules a couple times just to get to know it but once you know the rules it's very quick so it's yeah and and part of it too is like a lot of board game rule writers are the people who've created the games and so they know everything right so they don't think about yeah. necessarily actually clearly outlining what it is that they're telling you to do so I, so we mm-hmm. regularly had to email the the company to be like hey like we're writing this review did we actually understand this right and they'll be like oh yes but also no so you know there is that collaborative process of like especially if we have games before they've been sent wide so like kickstarter previews it gives us an ability to be like, hey, like we are trying to write this for an audience that might be really into games, but is also, you know, full of newbies like me. Um, and I mean, I've been playing board games now for like two years and I still consider myself very new because there are literally thousands, just like with any. Oh, I, I live with a I live with a man who used to go to board game competitions with his family growing yeah. up. So like <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> wild. It's wild, man. It's I mean, I, I love that for y'all folks who, who are really into it. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I was once trapped in a cabin for a week with some people I didn't really know well. No electricity, no nothing on a lake up in the high desert of Nevada called Fish Lake. Wow. Um, creatively. Yeah. And uh, and one of the like three things we brought, I brought a copy of Anna Karenina, which was uh, my basically like bucket list thing where I was like, I'm never going to read this if I don't, <laughs> if I like, I am not trapped in a cabin with no electricity for a week. Right. Um, so I'm going to read that. And then we brought, um, what is it like? Ticket to Ride. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, one of those games that takes a really long time to set up, but like if you get it, it's a lot of fun. If you get it, it's yeah. a lot of fun. If you don't get it, it's the worst experience imaginable. And guess which one I was? <laughs> <laughs> I totally bet it was not the one that was having a lot of fun. Um, every time I read a review of some of those other games from other writers, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I understand what you're saying in this review, but I don't understand. And then I'll have to, like, watch videos, and I still don't understand. I'm like, okay, this game is clearly not for me. Yeah, I, I am, I'm just, I've long since given up on being good at them. And that has to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I do, but here's the thing is I do, I have recently, relatively speaking, discovered that I do actually like video games. Yeah. I just have a very, I'm very selective about that. Um, and I, I'm not, um, I don't like fightings mm-hmm. if I don't have to do fightings. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't like um pressure yeah absolutely no I'm the same way I uh so growing up my parents were very stereotypical Bangladeshi parents and they were like books are cool like we'll have a tv but like we're not buying you a console they just they just they didn't Mm -hmm. understand and honestly frankly we couldn't really expand it because wow (laughs) afford it because back then it was expensive that was like four words at once and so I grew up playing like flash games you know or like or educational games Mm -hmm. a lot of clue finder Mm -hmm. whatever and it wasn't until my younger brothers were older that we finally got a psp and the Game Boy Advance. And same thing. It was like, you know, like the Mega Man game. We had Final Fantasy Tactics. So there was fighting involved, but it was like you press yeah. one button and it's turn-based. So now when yeah. I try to review different games for the site, like if it requires me to think too much about my fingers, like I can't do it. I like I can oh my God. push one button. Turn-based action fights, perfect. Great. I just tell it what to do. But if I'm like fighting in the process of walking around and like navigating the camera, it's like I'm out. So I just watch. If, if you can sneak up on me, 
and and you can kill me without me fighting back at all, then it's, then it's bad for me. So I am, um, I had to force myself to learn to play Zelda because I hate that shit. I hate the pressure. I hate having to move my fingers fast. I don't know the buttons. I always click the wrong ones. I get sweaty. My heart beats fast. I don't know what to do. But I do love the aspects, you know, that I that I enjoy are like the open world. I love exploring and stuff. Um, I love the story. I love being able to just do whatever I want. Um, I growing up, I think <laughs> this part of the reason it took me so long to understand that I liked video games was because, um, you know, I I have an older brother, and my older brother plays completely different video games than what I like and he also enjoys the exact opposite he wants to smash he wants to blast he wants to fight he wants to fisticuffs <laughs> and he was I I think when I we recently did a, a Zelda story I mean a Zelda story a Zelda episode um this is like a weird suite of of uh <laughs> of uh, video games lately unintentional um but uh (laughs) but so uh i have a story where my brother i would sit and watch him play video games because i like watching people play video games i think it's cool i think you know always like i don't know how you're doing that right playing halo you're just blasting them dudes it's crazy yeah um but i was living for the cutscenes, yeah, I wanted to watch the stories, yeah. Yeah. and my brother, who doesn't give a shit, was like trying to skip through these- them all. <laughs> he, yeah, we literally be sitting next to each other, and I'd just be like waiting breathlessly for the next cutscene of Prince of Persia, <laughs> and he'd go ski up, and just, <laughs> just devastation. Oh my gosh, yeah, um, no, I'm the, the same worst. Way. But because of that, I think it took me a lot longer to realize that there were video games out there for people like me. Right. Specifically, right. I didn't really. I didn't know fuck all about, uh, you know, a, a visual novel until mm. relatively recently. I, I'm i curious because in some ways, I wonder, do you know the definition? Like, what's the difference between a uh, visual novel and like a dating sim? Because they are, they feel different in my mind, mm-hmm. but I knew of one a lot sooner so i would say it's kind of like rectangles and square uh, squares where it's like so visual novel is like the big umbrella and then there's a lot of different types of games underneath the visual Mm -hmm. novel so primarily when visual novels first started in japan in the 80s they were very much like you would maybe get like one or two choices but it was primarily leading you through like a pathway of the story and even if you chose yeah you know you still have like the same like one or two endings like a good ending and a bad ending um and over time like those would turn into like three or four good endings because you'd have routes of different characters to romance or even just interact with and then a few bad endings and there's always like one really epic like surprising like twist ending which is what a lot of visual novels got popular for and so a lot of dating sims would have that same type of approach where it's like you could you know pick one or however many characters to date and then you can um it's essentially like point based in the in the mechanics of the game where it's like if i pick the wrong answer I'm not going to get those points so then I can't move forward with that person and a lot of dating sims originally were like in the genre of um being erotic in a lot of ways like eroji games yeah. and also you know like having the the cgs which are computer graphics of like you know maybe like the girl becomes topless or whatever um so there yeah. is overlap but but dating sims also now have started to add this a lot of games overall have become much more interactive in that they've added like maybe there's a little bit of an action fight that you have to deal with before you yeah. can actually get to the girl or the guy or whoever or um, you might have to do a puzzle or, you know, figure out where something is in the room. And so there, a lot of game developers have been trying to take 
the base layer of like here's a narrative game where you read what's happening and you're the person you're the pov person and then also by the way before you can actually do anything you have to do all this other stuff which is really interesting and there's you know there's a lot there's of, an element that. of that too because you know i think part of uh, way back when when i did the um two-part arcana episode mm-hmm. uh, or episodes mm-hmm. um which was wild such a trip yeah um it was we talked a lot about how the mobile game industry has kind of revolutionized the visual novel industry and specifically like talking about microtransactions involved in that and that reminds me of how like they it is not enough to have like a visual novel on its own anymore mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you might as well just do a webtoon at that point I right. think people feel like right and so they're like okay yes we have to have this element of fighting or something yeah. in there to get to yeah. the story or we have to have like I, I downloaded one after we did the episode i kept getting a couple of years ago you will probably remember this you might god god help me if you were to review i'll die um but it was like this um Japanese visual novel that was a like it's the the demon boys or whatever mm-hmm. and I was getting like so many fucking ads for this thing yeah. everywhere and it was like these you're you go to this school and there's all these demon boys and you have to like pick your route or whatever right, 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 right. and I was like and it seemed insane right um, and so people were like, Abigail, you, sh- you should do an episode on that. So I downloaded it. And immediately I was confronted with the most fucking incomprehensible <laughs> game I've ever seen in my life. There were like little, um, what is it? Uh, when they're uh, chibi dance battles that you had to do. Mm-hmm. There was like a scavenger hunt. There was all. And I was just like, where's the visual novel here? Yeah. <laughs> like, and of course, all of those are then tied to like, if you do four dance battles, you get coins and then you can spend the coins or you can buy the coins and then like all this stuff. And I was, it was absolute madness. Yeah. I was so terrified of that app that I immediately deleted it. Yeah. Um, well, and I think yeah, with so mobile, it's, it's there's this level of, because there are visual novels that are that are created for mobile or ported for no, uh, mobile. And of course, you know, you know, the choices apps and the chapters apps, which are very much like you pick an option and you have coins to keep moving forward. You might get to buy clothes, whatever. Yeah. And I think a lot of the mobile games, just broadly because of the need to keep people hooked, they add a lot of this. Because the idea is like, you know, if you have a game on your screen or a console, you have more space to play it. Mobiles are only as big as the phones are. So like, how do you make it interesting enough? I actually, (laughs) for a while, was playing this game called um, Chain Chronicles that was out of Japan. They they stopped um, doing it in English, so I never really understood found out the end of the story but it was one of those like you collected cards like for the people you could battle with and there was this overarching story it had like an anime introduction and everything and it totally made me spend money so then I also stopped playing it for that because I was like what am I doing in my life um yeah (laughs) I am in high school I don't have money for this right now and yeah trying to play it so that you could you know like unlock all of the secrets or unlock all of the story points and I think that's like visual novels are really interesting in that way because now especially with steam like all games can have achievements and so there's this i level of for people who just want to read the story the visual novel works for people who really want to game it and like play it as a completion it they have that option so visual novels like many games really offer a broad spectrum i think and um it's also interesting because one of the other things about dating sims just to rewind for a second is that like a lot of times in america the term dating sim and visual novel is conflated because a lot of these terms are coming out of Japan and other game industries and then people are trying to explain it here. And that's actually why you still see a lot of visual novels 
and people who play them, like they are the redheaded stepsisters of the gaming world, if that makes sense. Because it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. this is a either it's because people are anti-romance, which is a problem we, you know, as a romance author, you obviously know this. Or it's yep. like, well, that's not a real game. You're not doing anything. You're just scrolling and reading. And it's like, okay, but I'm still interacting. There's still a non-branching storyline. There's still a level of I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen um, and things like that, just like in any other game that has, you know, this longer arc of a story. Um, and yeah. so you'll see a lot of April Fool's games. Like, actually, one of the first games I reviewed for the site, which got me back into reviewing for visual novels, was because I was so annoyed. KFC had this uh, visual novel where they were like, for April Fool's, we're going to hire this company to make this visual novel, and you're supposed to be trying to battle it out. And so it's with a young colonel, whatever his name is, and there's like food monsters and all this other hot nonsense. And the entire time, I was just mad because the art was really cool. And you could see that the people were trying to follow the mechanics of a visual novel, but the story, the dialogue, all of it was terrible. So instead of just hiring someone who actually writes for visual novels and making it a real product, a lot of companies are like, ha April Fool's, like, we're going to make jokes about it. Then this April, um, Sonic did a game where Sonic was dead. And the visual novel had like a bunch of people who downloaded it because they all thought it was jokes. And it ended up being like a solid game where there was a full beginning, middle, and end. So I think there is some shift away from this like April Fool's haha, look at you, people who like these games are just making fun of you deal. Um, yeah. But then there's also always going to be people who are unfortunate and haters that need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's always people who need to just have a good drink of water and, and uh, go touch some grass or something. Yeah, yeah I, I, I definitely think like, I mean, I... There's a part of me that desperately does want to uh, do a visual novel someday because yeah. I think that would be very fun. Yeah. Um, I would love to do an interactive story where you y'all get to pick your own new protector. Yeah. <laughs> Whomstever. Uh, love that. That would just tickle tickle me. That would, that would do everything for yeah. me. But, like, when I look at it, I'm like, that is an immense amount of work. Oh, yeah. Completely disregarding the fact that, like, every bit of it has to be rendered mm-hmm. right i need to i would need to make art for every possibility every route every character mm-hmm. every like every situation everything on top of that you have to write this incredibly branching story yeah. that will always make sense no matter which way you go no yep. matter what you choose yep. Um, that's an incredibly sophisticated skill. I mean, which started, of course, you know, with the choose your own adventure books, mm-hmm. which I still think are the most fun things around. I love right. selling those to kids. Right. Like, gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, like so difficult though. Um, and I and I I think to approach it as this joke is like, I mean, yeah, that's they I, they do right that they've been doing that forever. Anything that even remotely might connect to say like. I don't know, romance mm-hmm. or things that are casually consumable. Yeah. Like KFC did the um the soap opera. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know, like it's like, oh, we'll just we'll just dunk on yeah. this. Well, your chicken's bad. Yeah. So I guess everything else you do is Which bad is too. Wild so that's because fine. one of the most popular games in the world is Ace Attorney. And that's a visual novel. Yeah. But it's specifically yeah. like it's seen and there's also and I will actually say I actually haven't played any Japanese origin visual novels, not because I'm not interested in them. But when I first started playing in 2012, um, I just didn't have access to like the translation, the, the localized yeah. versions. And so I still have just never gone into it. And also 
a lot of them have twists that I'm not ready for or I'm just not really into the vibe of the illustrations. Like I love anime and I, I don't like I don't dislike the um, anime illustrations, but because I started playing with games that were made in the um, Europe or in the US, it just kind of like that became my deal. And then also timing wise, yeah. like I my shtick now for the site is like really focusing, especially to showcase indie visual novels. So that does take out yeah. a lot of the the you know more established Japanese companies. But anyways, there's this huge issue in video gaming in general where like people will do this thing where it's like Japanese games are set aside and it's sometimes in this very orientalist way. Like even the idea of a J- Japanese RPG, like what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. But it's a term that we use for games because it's yeah. as- we've all collectively associated certain things with it. When it's like no, like plenty of RPGs have similar features and there's RPGs coming from all around the world that have similar features. And so just because it has an anime style cutscene or, you know, this type of approach doesn't just make it then like an JRPG homage, which is really interesting. And this, there's actually been a current conversation in the game world happening about it as of last week, because Kotaku um, wrote a really, an author for Kotaku wrote a really interesting article about like, actually it's always been racist. Like maybe at the very beginning of time, like being able to say this was a JRPG helped for like selling it before the internet, but it doesn't really do anything for us now. So I think visual novels as a whole, even the ones that aren't about romance, because there's plenty that are very horror focused or just, you know, slice of life where there's no romance involved, even those will get a bad rap. So it's like this whole genre as a whole for whatever many unfortunate reasons, it becomes, again, cast aside, even though it's such a rich storytelling process and like it's it's incredibly i mean yeah like that going back to like that branching story like if you think about how unique that is mm-hmm. and how difficult that is to craft and how many experiences you as the player mm-hmm. or the reader or whoever you want to refer to it right, right. How many different experiences you can have with that one piece of media, mm-hmm. you can experience it in a different way, probably a dozen times, right. if not more, depending right. on the amount of, you know, uh, options you have. Like, that's incredible. That you, you That is something that belongs almost solely in the digital space in a really unique and wonderful way. It's an evolution of that old school choose your own adventure, Mm -hmm. which, you know, has its limitations purely because you can only put so many pages in a book. Um, You can only do so many And also flipping back and forth is a lot harder than just letting the game do it for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I think like as a, as a craft, I am really fascinated by it. And I think it's, you know, storytelling for games is like its own thing. Yeah. I would love to have a game writer on at some point just to talk about that. Um, and because I, I, as a, <laughs> as a novelist, right. I am, I am, I'm, I'm on railroad tracks. Right. I am, I am pulling the cart with you inside right. it and taking you on this journey. Right, right, right. And you, you don't really get a choice. Neither do I, because I know that if I only have the one route, I only have the one shot. Right. I have to stick the landing. Right. I have to stick the pacing. Um, there's there's really no other option because, and, unless, of course, I want to start writing Choose Your Own Adventures, yeah. which, again, sounds very fun, but I can't do that for every book. Yeah. Um, you could. So, well, I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> I have seen some that have been published recently in the romance world. I don't remember their names because it's literally been, like, Zoom on my Instagram or whatever. But yeah. it's interesting because, like, that could be a cool, like, a short novella type deal where it's, like, but the thing is, that's what's hard about for people with an established universe. Like, how do you do that in a way where it doesn't impact the rest of your story? Because technically, your books are standalone, but also they're all integrated, right? They all have the same 
people and world. It would have to be a full-on standalone. It would also have to switch perspective. It would have to be in first person, um, which is not something I do. Second. I mean, obviously, I can write in well, first person because I Or I second, have, but that's but... also really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to leave that to AM Cora. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. I, I don't think I, I have the, the skill set for that. Um, so it's really difficult. And, and it's there are so many factors you have to you have to account for when you're doing it um and that's even before you get to the actual visual aspect of it which from the other perspective of being an artist i look at all this these assets and i look at all these pieces these these a lot of times completely fully rendered like pieces which yes they're kind of swapping assets in and out and they're they're you know reusing you know obviously there's only set amount of expressions usually and stuff like that but every single one of those has to be done. Yeah. They all have to be made, and they all have to look good and seamless. Well, and that's why most um, games that are done all by one person with maybe some, you know, stock footage that's usable, or not footage, wow, music that's usable and things like yeah. that, like, they're usually for, and, you know, if you do ever really want to get into it, this could be an interesting way for you to do it. There's a lot of game jams on itch.io, and they're meant to be games that you work on only for a month. And so they're usually about an hour, maybe two hours max maybe 30 to 50,000 words depending and that's and even that's a lot like a lot of games in the game jams are usually like nine to you know 15,000 words but it's a really cool way for people to kind of practice but you're right because you have to have the either even if you just only do the head so you have the head of the, yeah. the character and then you have to do at least three to four sprites for that reaction yeah. and then you also have to have all the backgrounds and even if you swap the backgrounds out it can get like you said a lot of it can be really overwhelming I actually just did a demo yeah. for one um, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but it's essentially about the Sealy. And they have it set up so that the background, some of them, you can actually zoom in and out and like move around in. So it feels even more interactive, which is really cool. Jiminy. So it's just, you know, the, it's really just the picture much bigger so that it zooms in. But still, that yeah. that extra level of like, oh, gave me when I was playing it, I was like, oh, like I'm moving while the horse is moving. This is cool. So well, I what and what really sold the Arcana, right? Yeah. Like the Arcana was was yeah, the story is good in the Arcana objectively. Mm-hmm. Like it's <laughs> there's a lot going on right. in that universe, um, and they haven't been able to replicate it since um, in any of their other stuff. Yeah. Um, but but the thing that drew everyone into the Arcana was this gorgeous art style. Right. Whether you hate the the artist or not, for for the controversies. Right. Um, the art is insanely beautiful yeah. and every single panel drawn every single piece every single asset every single sprite right. is gorgeously done right. that is worth so much <laughs> like like incomprehensible yeah. as an artist and a writer like on both sides of like oh, oh god yeah. there's yeah. so much well, and i think too like the best visual novels are all games that can stand without one of the elements that you would necessarily yeah. think of because then there's a lot of people trying to make accessible games so like does this game work without the music does this game work yeah. without you know full vision can the dialogue stand for itself and the descriptions if yeah. you have the access you know so i think it's just you have to really think about it in this like dodecahedron way of like literally mm-hmm. all of the different angles. And I think that's really hard to do, which is why obviously a lot of teams are teams. It's like a couple writers, you've got the people doing the CGs, you've got someone directly just for the background, partly so that people don't burn out and die. But even then, like even oh, if yeah. you were to get no. to a point at which you were like, all right, I'm going to trust someone to do the backgrounds for me, maybe. Right. Like it's still yeah. so much work. And no matter how how much um, money you have or how de- detailed your project you know sheet is there's always things that have to be let go of and so i think that's the other part of with any game obviously but especially visual novels like 
you can maybe get low, let go of like 10,000 rewards, right? And like do something with it. Or you can maybe let go of, okay, you know what? I couldn't finish the CG, so we're going to cut the number of CGs or even the number of sprites. But at that point, and at which point does that start impacting your game? So a game that my review, yeah. by the time this episode's out, the review will be out, but the single best long form game that I've played in like a decade, Love Shore is this beautiful cyberpunk, noir, mystery, adventure, romance game, right? And what's really cool about it is a lot of visual novels, because of time and money and whatnot, you might have like six routes of people to pursue or even just be friends with, but they all will merge to the same ending or like the same major story epilogue. Whereas Love Shore, those eight characters that you talk to, you play as two different characters. Each person gets four interests, friends, whatever, acquaintances. All of them are different endings. And even the storylines that overlap between Farah and Sam, there's one where they have to go on a heist and they end up working with each other. Those, even though those have the same end because they're all, you know, driving, spoiler alert, driving away in a car together, they still are distinctive. And that's really hard to do. Like that is something that's like mm -hmm. next level, like you have graduated visual novel school and like made it because yeah. that just takes so much more time and effort. It's not that other game creators don't want to do it. It's just much more economical to be like, you know what, these routes are going to merge, yeah. you know? So it's really interesting yeah. to see all of these American, well, this is a global company, right? But like all of these American slash European companies, I've played games in Canada now, where they're really out of love and like respect for the original visual novels in Japan, like taking it and creating their own art styles and whatnot and doing stories yeah. that are really reflective of the spaces that they're being written in. And then also at the same time, like still very interesting, like Touch Starve, which is including people who've worked on Arcana and a bunch of other visual novels, um, has like the third most kick Kickstarter funds for a visual novel. And um, there's five roads and everything, but it's like super horror, like, you know, really thinking about what does it mean to be a monster? Actually, by the way, for people who are monster fuckers, this game is for you. And I love the demo. Gotta love that. Like I backed mm -hmm. a Kickstarter. I backed maybe three Kickstarters in my life. So I'm really excited to see what the game is. But also with visual novels and all video games, you have to wait a long time to get them. <laughs> so I won't see yeah. I won't see the game until like twenty twenty five. So then you forget about yeah. it and then it comes back. And I think that's the other thing with the pandemic is a lot of games that were in process prior to the pandemic got screwed. So you're seeing a lot yeah, of games where everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They had to cut a lot of pieces and you know, for better or worse, some players understandably are much frustrated. They're like, we backed this and yes, there's delays and we understand that there are delays, but why are you taking so long? And you know, it, it really depends on the team too. I think like are the teams communicating with their backers? Are they communicating that, you know, I don't need your dirty business or whatever's happening, but are you okay? Yeah. What's happening? And then I think some game writers and developers for better or worse, were just like, we, we can't. Right. So the game you're going to get is the game you're going to get. And then it's up to the audience. And I think that's the case with all media, right? Like at some point, the art has to be let go of. But it's definitely been interesting to see the visual novel like ecosystem, at least again, in the English speaking, or at least even if they're dubbed or dubbed, haha, localized in Spanish or other games, you know, how are they're, they're approaching this type of we only have so much time yeah. and, and money and well, we have only we only have so much time and money and all this stuff too. But I think like, would you consider this moment to be kind of a an like an explosion of the craft of visual novels? Because I feel like I'm seeing more sophisticated mm. ambitious visual novels than ever like i feel like it was once in a blue moon i'd see anything about a visual novel and it was usually some janky homemade one person sure. endeavor right sure. um like built in flash mm -hmm. which god bless that's amazing you right. know um 
but now I feel like there's there's actual money behind it, like you were saying. You know, these are on Kickstarter and they're they're raising the heck of a lot of funds. Um, and I and I think, you know, I was thinking about it today. And I was like, well, partially I think it's because we are such a visually motivated culture right, now, right. with having lived on the internet for yeah, so long, absolutely. right? Which I can get into, like the role of art and right. the importance of art in everyday life for every single person on this planet now. Uh, and also because of that, it's lack of perceived value. Right. Um, but, you know, I won't, <laughs> but I could. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, part of this is the aversion to reading a lot of people feel because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to set aside the time. And, you know, with, with, you know, we're quoting all those articles about millennials who have attention spans, right? right, right, right. Everyone's, no one has the attention span anymore, which is partially true. I don't know if it's a new thing necessarily. No, I, think I think that the reading just, is a muscle. Yeah. I think the blame just right? gets spread. And more than that, I think, I mean, when you think of an actual true fact reading, like our literacy level in this country, the, the statistics and all, I mean, statistics by you are to take with a grain of salt but like some yeah. things are like oh yeah like the average reading level is like they're great and i think there's something to be said about like how do you grab someone's attention if they're not already into the, the genre like for example exactly. we, when we have these conversations about romance like you can we'll just set aside all the usual people being ridiculous we don't need to really litigate like oh you know this is floofy or whatever whatever right but even yeah. if you set all that aside like how do you get someone who has no interest in this type of genre to care about it and i think with visual novels something that's been really interesting especially again like i said i can't speak to what's been going on necessarily in japan though i do keep up with the news um and i follow other people who keep up with those games because i like to be educated for my, my job and also i'm just a huge rabbit hole nerd um is that what? like you <laughs> is that there's this super cool level of i think people really pushing the boundaries and the storytelling because of yeah. course like visual novels have been sexy from pretty much the start or like there's been like twists and like I said, some of the very early visual novels, they were very like, oh, here's this cool romance. You're playing as a guy, whatever. And then surprise, like we're veering into hardcore like horror or, or violence or whatever. And it was part mm-hmm. of the thing. But now like but even setting aside like content warnings, like you get a lot more like there's a lot of stuff that's like dark romance or horror romance or just, you know, um, one of my favorite visual novels has nothing to do with romance. And it's actually about a mortician. And it's by someone who's in, who's part of the death industry. And it's this very measured, I think it's like an hour and a half long max, like beautiful just meditation. I'm like, what does it mean to be a mortician? What does it mean to be at, you know, the space for someone in their last moments? Obviously they've passed, but like in their last moments before they're, you know, buried or cremated or what have you. And like, even just the process of like going through and like learning how it works to clean the body and embalm the body and be there. And part of the visual novel aspect of the game is like once that part is all done, you actually are like walking around your funeral home. And there's a, there's a story actually of, you know, these funeral homes, like a bigger funeral company, because there's always, there's always a big funeral company or company somewhere trying to ruin everything, but um, trying to buy this family owned funeral home. And so it's not a game that you necessarily expect to be like, that great just because it feels like okay like a mortician like this could be weird but you know i played it and i was like wow like this i like i I played it years ago and it still has stuck with me and that's the sign of a good anything right like if you're still thinking about something years and years later like that creator did a good and those creators did a good job because like i you know i have no interest in being mortician and i you know dead bodies like whatever but like again just the respect of this is what it's like like you go through the process and at the end like i left changed for that game 
And I think that is like the biggest compliment you can give to anybody, right? Like you, if you've left changed after watching a movie or listening to a song, like if it's imprinted on your skull somehow, like your brain, then like you, that creator has like made it. Um, I I actually uh, played one recently, like as in like last week, that I was completely like rewrote my brain. Yeah, what was it? I could not, it was South Scrimshaw part one. Okay. Um, it's about, I'll send you a link right now so you can check yeah. it out. It is a, essentially a nature documentary oh, cool. ab- about a, um, about whales on an alien planet and it. you follow a newborn whale. You're like a researcher, research team following a newborn whale. Um, and you go through like all of their crazy anatomy and like all of the stuff in this like whale's life and, uh, spoiler, you will cry yeah you will cry super hard um it's like a hardcore nature documentary where like some bad shit happens oh Um, i've seen this okay yeah and the art is arresting it is gorgeous the story is amazing the world building is amazing the research that went into it is amazing um how the um the alienness unfolds and how like yeah. the actual sci-fi aspect of it unfolds is so subtle and incremental it just it, that's my shit right there yeah i love that when it's just if little crumbs that kind of build up into something bigger and bigger and bigger as you go and then suddenly you're like oh and now we're gonna talk about the actual researchers who got there and why yeah. the hell like it is they they go there's a whole section on how when you arrive on this planet, your whole microbiome is destroyed and has oh to be my rebuilt. Gosh. I love that. Um, and like, and it's it, it works perfectly in there. And it's like you'd think like that sounds like a terrible video game. Why do I care about the gut health of astronauts? Yeah, <laughs> right. But it was amazingly done. Um, and it's it's the first part, and the second part's obviously it's not out yet. This came out um June 9th, I think. Um, but there's the second part skips twenty years in the future. Oh, that's um, cool, actually. And I think that's the thing with visual novels. You can do. I mean, with thirty games in general, you can do that in a way that it. Yeah. It, it feels natural to be like, okay, this too. Like we've already jumped ahead, and I, I mean, that's not to say that like, you couldn't do that in movies and other things. But I think movies themselves are short, and TV shows themselves are short in ways that you can't really dig as deep. But with games, yeah. you can you can you can you can pause, you can save, you can come back to it, you can have like a marathon gaming session. And it allows you to really engage in a lot of different ways, which I think is really it's cool. It's increased. It's like this incredible, um, versatile medium, which I think, like, ha- if you don't really understand uh, the possibilities there, you think that like games are solely the realm of bashing and button smashing, right? When it's like, no, what you are delivering is a completely interactive file that yeah. you can put you know, an incredible amount of data on that this person can come back to again and again and again. And if you you look at it purely as that raw capability, Mm -hmm. what can you do with that? Yeah. Almost anything, actually, which is amazing. So I wanted to talk to you, though, about uh, your, like, favorites of all time. We've kind of touched on a few. Um, but I did want to make sure we got a good a good little list in here for people to check out, like yeah. maybe stuff that's coming up, maybe some some vintage picks, whatever. Yeah. So I okay. So funnily enough, going up, like I mentioned, you know, flash games and and the educational games. So much Clue Finder. I kind of wish there would be like an updated version of Clue Finder with them as like mm-hmm. college students, just because I think it'd be funny. But I don't really know like what educational subject it would be about, because like each one would be like <laughs> fourth grade math, third grade math, whatever. So, anyways, um. 
the first visual novel I played was actually the summer after I graduated high school. And I don't know how I found it. I think I was just like looking for games um, on All About Casual Games. It's no longer actually, it's functional. The, game, the website went down, but I used to play hidden object adventure games. And so yeah. it was this game called Cinders by this um, European company called MoCube. And they unfortunately no longer make visual novels, but it was Cinderella, but much darker, much more realistic, and also actually allowed her... Because Cinderella, for better or worse, is one of the like most misunderstood fairy tales, I think, and people have a lot of feelings about the Disney version of it. But in yeah. the original, like just like all fairy tales, like the stepmom's like feet are are no, sorry, that's Snow White. Her sister's feet are cut off by like the sh- because they don't fit in the shoes, so they cut their like toes and you know heels. Yeah, they off cut their toes it. off. Yeah, and and then the birds come and peck their eyes out, and so I thought it was yeah. just really interesting to play this game from this European perspective. The, ori- the, the quote original says the fairy tales. I could go into the the and system of um, organizing them, but that's a whole other episode. Anyways, <laughs> so Cinderella, and it's got you know like the fairy godmother, and you've got your prince, and you've got multiple um, romance characters. The sisters, stepsisters are actually much more developed, and so I just was like, this is really cool. Like I get to play as this character, and there's really cool music, and the art is beautiful, and I'm like into this romance stuff. And so from there, I just kind of played a bunch of random ones. And the thing is, what's really funny is I don't remember anything else that I played for that game until I started playing them again in the last few years, which is so weird. It's like all of my college game experience has just like left my head. But I definitely played a bunch of random stuff um, and a lot of like those one hour games, three hour games. But the games that I've been really enjoying, like I said, you know, they're primarily made by creators from all over the world, but either located or in or you know the company is located in america canada uh, um i played a game from mexico actually a while back and in spain which was really cool but the game that i was mentioning earlier like love shore definitely is a huge recommend and it really does not hold back in talking about like commentary and politics because there's the whole premise of that game is that far and sam are s humans they're humans that have dna and whatnot but their bodies so they're cyborgs their bodies are all artificially created because there was a fertility crisis. But as you might imagine in a cyberpunk game, like the question is, well, who created that crisis? Where did it come from? Who then created this company? But wait a second, this company that makes these bodies is defunct and has gone bankrupt. So all of the people are now stuck in their, their age level essentially is in their 50s, but their bodies did not get updated with them. So they they look like they're in their 30s. So all these like discussions and there's warring gods. So um, Inanna and Kotliku, who's from, um, South American, I'm going to forget which one, so I'd have to look it up. But, you know, there's all these different gods from all over the world, and, and they are just fighting. And so you have to play as far as Sam as people who just got out of prison for things we don't learn about necessarily and try to live your life. But instead, you've not been swept into this war. And it's like, I just wanted to live my life, but instead I have to go save the world, right? So it's like yeah. this level of, like, very intimate. There's The cast is very small. Like, you have the people that you're going to be into. And then you have a couple of, you know, the side characters you might meet, of course, the god characters. And so even though it's like a really well fleshed out city, you are with the small group of people, which I think is very realistic, right? Because it's just like your real life. Like we have our friends. We don't necessarily talk to every single person that lives in our neighborhood. Yeah. And then another game that I absolutely adore and is one of my absolute favorite games. It's a shorter game. It's called Alkahest. And it's like Dungeon Punk. And it's by a black creator. And the main characters are black. And it's one of those, again, like, not cyberpunk necessarily, but more like, um, like I mentioned, dungeon punk. And it's very, the city has had like issues. And again, there's gods who are trying to take over. And I really love like 
obviously I love paranormal romance. It's my jam. So what? it's it's in this vein of like, you know, there's fantastical things happening and the characters don't necessarily know what's going on. But what's really cool about this is it has one of those mechanics where it's not just a visual novel. You actually have to create alchemy based potions for this person. Well, I say person. It's like this entity that has taken over the body of your coworker and friend to make sure that they can get out so you can save your friend. But then also, what if you fall in love with this like weird entity? And like, what does it mean to be playing that. a game? And just also it's very like bottle episode-y. There's literally only like three. I mean, there's a lot of through the flashbacks of the storytelling, you get to see a bunch of backgrounds, but the game itself is literally in the store like over the course of a night. And I'm not explaining it well, because honestly, like I just want to read my review to you, but like it, again, one of those games that's imprinted on me and it's just so interesting what happens and i think this comes along with monster romance like when you dig deep and lean towards the unknown like what is it about monster romance that makes monster fuckers absolutely like brain you know we lose our minds right like what is it about leaning into this type mm-hmm. of like scary like unknown like oh that thing has multiple arms I, I say thing but like that entity has multiple arms or that entity has horns and like some of it is like very i don't want to say basic that's not the right word but like I guess if there were, like, levels, like, oh, like, that has an extra arm, whatever. But, like, in this case, it's, like, what happens when you really look deep inside yourself and you're, like, am I willing to die for this person? And if I am, what does that mean and how am I going to deal with it? And so it's definitely not, like, a fluffy game, but I think it does a really good job of taking into consideration, especially within the world building of, like, magic and who gets to (laughs) – that's another thing. Like, who gets to use magic and how come this character can or can't or gets in trouble? And, you know, being the alchemist in the city – what's legal and things like that so there's just a lot of considerations in the story building that i think are just really beautiful and i'm really excited to see what the next game in the universe will be because currently there's plans to be like four games um so yeah and then other games that i've liked so again i mentioned i really try to focus on indie games i've been playing a lot of like queer games too like i want to play games that are reflective of the real world and so Mm -hmm. i really like playing games that are simultaneously very gay and also, like, very real. I'm not really into things where, like, I can't slice of life. Slice of life is really boring. It's why I don't read contemporary. It does nothing for me. (laughs) So I love the games where it's, like, all these queer people or, like, you know, LGBTQ people are dealing with some drama and they have to save the world. Or, oh, my gosh, there's a monster and we have to stop it. Um, Yeah. So I think, I'm trying to think what else. I did Mortician's Tale, Alcahest, Love Shore. Um... Now, of course, every game I've ever played in my life. What was that, like, vampire one that you were telling me about that looked really sexy? First Bite. Okay, so First Bite is actually by four of my favorite gang creators who work at a bunch of different companies, and they came together to play. uh, To play. Wow. I mean, they didn't come together to play games, but (laughs) they came together to develop a game called First Bite where there are three different vampires, and you play as someone who just lives in the neighborhood, and you end up in their house at the end of the street, and your choice is already either, like, try to get the heck out before you're killed or lead into it and become a vampire yourself. And what's really amazing about that one, again, like no one shies away from the story. The characters at first you're like, okay, so there's this beautiful black character. There's this um, (laughs) like long black haired, like femme vampire. And then you have like the biggest himbo in the world who literally only works out. And it's like- They all looked gorgeous. Yeah. The art is beautiful. Beautiful. And you know, you- Laurel, who's the beautiful black vampire, they have this, inc- 
incredibly well done arc about you know slavery and um just being like a black person regardless of vampire or human and like what does it feel like to be long living and the things that you've gone through how did valencia i think that's her name i hope i'm not wrong Whoever's listening that might be from First Bite, please know that I love your games. I'm just having one of those days. Um, I literally woke up 20 minutes before this call started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Valeria! I was close. I'm so sorry. So, okay. So, Laurel is the black vampire. Ilias is the himbo who just wears bro tanks. And then Valeria. So, like, what made Valeria become a vampire? Who did she leave behind in her life, right? I'm trying not to give away spoilers because I think these are really worth playing on your own. Um... You know, and he, so Ilias, the himbo, is 2,500 years old, and literally all he does is, like, lift weights, you listen to Euro dance, and thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, but he's definitely not, right? But it's like, how do you pick which one of those you want to be with? And then the yeah. second game that came out that I haven't had a chance to play yet is about, <laughs> so the Vampire Council is like, why have you not told us about this new one? You know that we have rules about this. If you don't do what you're supposed to, I'm going to kill this new vampire. And it turns out that the person who's come to talk to them is this, like, buxom blonde who, as expected, happens to have, like, dated some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, rip and rest, which means that, of course, now you as the character, as the person who's just become the new vampire, like, wait a second. Like, is this my competition? Like, also, why are my vampires, like, scared of of her so it's just really interesting to see like how you can take stuff that you would find in romance or you know in book format or even well I don't know that any movie has ever really gone as far as as a romance book has necessarily oh 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 no a 365 DNI did. okay fine yes but but like (laughs) that is is the golden example (laughs) yes but that's more like in the context I think of like what people thought and wish 50 shades was if that makes sense um, and even then, like, that I think is just fascinating because it's, like, I don't know, like, can you even really call it dark romance? I feel like it's more, like, dark erotica. It was definitely, I mean, I will say it was word for word a mafia romance, just unfortunately visually. Like, yeah. it had, it, it I don't was, know, it's, it's, I guess it's splitting uh, hairs, right, of, of defining erotic versus erotic romance, I think, in this I think because, well, here's the deal is I think also because it was visual, Mm -hmm. it it felt much more erotic. Like if I were to read that, I would not have called it erotica. I would have simply called it a mafia romance because that is about the level of sex that you often get in a mafia romance. That's true. That's Um, true. And I think our levels of what we are allowed to film and the, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And to be fair, like it's a lot, (laughs) it's harder to like. Um, to to stomach almost though, because like when you're reading it, right? Like time wise, you are right. experiencing it maybe a minute, three minutes, probably max. Right. But right. when you're watching it on the screen, and it's right. just extended scenes, extended montages of mm-hmm. of sex mm-hmm. on a boat, and then <laughs> shopping, and then more sex on a boat, and then action, like, and some yeah. you know violence. Yeah, that's fair. I will say though, if anyone is listening and is into mafia romance, I am like very. So here's here's you guys are gonna be like, what the heck? She just said she wasn't into it, and she's about to list off a bunch of mafia romances. But I, what I would say is, <laughs> I am very particular because I don't want to read the stuff where it's like, oh, like this is going to be, and I don't mean to be like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't know, words are hard, but like about, you know, assault and like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want that stuff that's like, you know, 
very popular or common in, in a lot of the romances. But I love this stuff where it's like, we're going to follow these two or three characters that are part of the mafia and they're really going through it and they're dealing, I mean, again, right? Like what I love in romance is like dealing with like the found family and things like that. But yeah. I will say that the absolute single best Thai boys love romance show that I have ever seen in my life is Ken Porsche, which is about a mafia man and his bodyguard who of course fall in love and it's fucking delightful. So if you're into that shit, let me know because I have been having Ken Porsche brain rot since it started <laughs> airing years ago. And literally like, I think it was my id that just scooped out and put on a on a TV show. Literally, the only thing it's missing is like four more women. It would be absolutely perfect. But it's, <laughs> it's by four and queer men, which I think is great. So it's originally from a web novel, but the people who are starring in it, literally, this is the wildest, most romance book thing ever. Where literally one of them was like, "Oh yeah, my friend and crush from college is quitting acting because people are really homophobic. So I'm gonna make this show for him." I'm a socialite who has more money than I could ever have in my life. And so I'm going to call up Epo and I'm going to be like, hey, do you want to be my bodyguard in the show? And it's like, what? So yeah, it's really great and wonderful and really gay and beautiful and you should watch it. But what I was going to say, though, about Mafia Roses too, is that I think when it's on um, like movies or TV shows, depending on who's created it, there's still this level of like self-censorship, I think, in a way. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it becomes less about like 365, like... <laughs> It's less about the mafia and more about we just want to show that they this is very sexy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like I think that there's a space for that, but I think like you said, it it takes away a little bit of the actual like context if that makes Yeah, and when you and when I say that like because I, I did an episode on it with my with my dear friend Victoria Aveline who forced mm -hmm. me to watch it because I wanted her to do the mafia episode with me. And so in return she made me watch it. Um, which <laughs> I mean, is that's fair. fair. Friendship. Yeah, yeah, I accept it. Um but uh but she we were talking about it and I was like one of the reasons I think it's so intolerable <laughs> for mm -hmm. me to watch mm -hmm. is not because of all the sex. It's not because it's cheesy. No. It's none of that. What makes it intolerable to me is that we are getting all of the Things that are, I mean, like I said, it's word for word a romance novel, right? Right. However, the actual appeal to me of a romance novel is the interiority. It is the yes. characters. Yes. And which you get on the page because we are pretty much no matter the format, single POV, third person, first person, doesn't matter. We are getting interiority. That's how right. books work. Right. Um, uh, and if we're not getting interiority, then we are getting like a an omniscient narrator who's like really funny and snarky in their own right or something, right? right like right, right, right. we're getting something. We're getting insights into these people. Unfortunately, when you just translate it word for word onto the screen, we're not getting that interiority. Right. We're missing all of the parts that make you fall in love with these people who are falling in love with each other. Right. Um, and so it's just this kind of shallow shell <laughs> of a romance novel, um, which is fun and funny to watch yeah. especially if you write and read romance novels i think it's one of those things where you're just watching and you just cringe because you're like yep 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 oh yeah that's yep i know exactly yeah uh-huh oh it's just gonna be kidnapped okay yep mm -hmm, for sure <laughs> but at the same time it's like there's a reason what we do is special and there's a reason these books are special and it's because there's there's a very specific secret sauce that we put on them and that is in a visual novel so a visual novel bridges that gap where you wouldn't get that interiority you wouldn't get that richness in um 
in a in a movie, which not to say that there isn't amazing, no, of course, yeah, uh, romantic movies and TV shows, obviously, like you said, but they they have to be done in a different way. If you just translate them word for word, they don't work. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually really interesting because it just reminded me. So I actually am I don't read first person fan fiction, and I've only uh-huh. just been able to break out into some first person romance books, but visual novels are first person, and that's always yeah. been okay. So it's really interesting to think about like how that has impacted my ability to engage with media because I don't know why that's the case that first person I mean I know why it's because a lot of times first person romance the interior character drives me nuts and I'm like you're annoying so there's that of it and I also think that there and it's not I want to be really clear that I don't think that people who are writing first person are writing anything badly I just personally for me when I read them there are some that really leap off the page it's like okay I can feel like this character and it's working for me and then there are a lot more where I read the first paragraph and I'm like if this is how this person is going to sound, like I can't be in their brain. I much rather want that third person, you know, POV of all the different characters or, you know, well, the, and I the think leads. we did have a conversation about this, right. In the, in the discord recently, yeah. well, recently, when we were talking about how I do think it entirely depends on your reading style. Yeah. And that is, are you an active reader? Are you a, an immersive reader or right. are you a, a, like a, um, a completely omniscient reader because right. I I am an omniscient reader yeah or I guess I'm an I'm an immersive reader where I I I don't I don't perceive myself yeah. anymore when yeah. I read no matter what the you know I have I have some preferred I guess I prefer a third person but I I I read so much now that like yeah. I don't even notice I I I literally don't notice if it's one or the other however you know there are people who are if you are putting yourself into the story when you read if you are hearing your own thoughts as you are reading which i do not yeah if that voice is discordant on the page and they're saying i am doing this your eye and their eye are conflicting yes because i'm just over here like you are i don't like to use the word dumb but like you are dim like why are you not doing this like why are you doing this and it's like when you watch like i don't really horror and i which is why it's really funny that a number of the games that i just recommended are like horror tinged or horror about but i think that's because i can do it better in visual novel format because even if it's on the screen it's not moving and i think when i see horror moving like i love thrillers but horror primarily i think in a lot of movies but especially the like slasher like that doesn't work for me so Mm -hmm. when i'm reading or, or even reading in romance like i will be like screaming at the character if I'm watching it on TV, right? Like, I'll be like, why are you, like, please hide type of deal. And I think in romance, it's the same where it's like, I want to be the omniscient, like, I'm watching them have, like, the interactions, and I'm like, oh my gosh, take hands, like, you are so adorable, that type of thing. And once in a while, I think with fantasy especially, it's a little bit easier for me to be more immersed. But I think, and, and you know, that includes fantasy romance, but I think it's because the world building in fantasy requires it's, it's, it's not that it requires more world building. It's, I mean, world building is important in all of these books, but I think there's something about fantasy being so fantastical because it has no connection to the real world that it allows yeah. this level of like detachment of like, all right, I am this funky, feisty, you know, whatever girl, woman, person, character who needs to go deal with whatever issue. And, oh, gosh, this hot person is in front of me. Why is my life this way? I think it's a little easier versus like in paranormal romance, it's that perfect confluence of like, this is still set in a world that we are familiar with, but also everyone's, you know, a hot shifter or, or a fae or whatever. So I think I think visual novels are the same thing for me. Like, I only play visual novels that are set in this world where it's either fantastical or... or and even in, in visual novels where it's, like, set in the real world, I like them to have... I don't want to say gimmick, but another game that I really love uh, is called... Um, 
good cooking something something it's a really long name so i'll have to i'll send it to you to put in the mm -hmm. the chat or whatever or the post but it's like an hour long and it's just about this muslim woman and her friend running a food truck and so like the gimmick there is that it's actually really personal and it's very intimate and i can do things that way but if it's just basic slice of life like just living or like college or high school like i just can't do it it's just like not it doesn't grab me at much, it's, as much. So. I think also it might be too close to you, right? Mm -hmm. If you were already an active participant when you were reading, yeah, you are already feeling a little bit too close a lot of times where you're like, I wouldn't make that choice. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you are also then saying, this is our world, you are even closer. And so it feels even more galling when people are like doing things you wouldn't agree with or something, right? Yeah. Whereas for me... I I don't feel that, and I just don't like contemporary, I think, just because I find it boring. Right, uh, right. If I can have a man with fangs, I want a man with fangs. Right. exactly. Um, you have to <laughs> really, also, like, you know, it has to be, like, mafia or something for me to care. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, that's insane. So, literally, though, when I have my tracking, I have, like, um, so I track the type of, you know, supernatural being, and so I've also been tracking human, and it's really funny because I'll have, like, human it's in fantasy land. Human mafia, human bikers, uh -huh. which aren't real to me. Even the bikers totally exist and the mafia don't, totally exists. But obviously the, the mafia and bikers in the real world are nothing like the ones in the books. So it's yeah. like this, again, this very fantastical, like there's distance. Um, yeah, exactly. And I don't know. Exactly. It's just, it's, it just cracks me up. And I think one of the reasons, you know, I just did an episode with S.E. Wendell about um, the different subgenres of fantasy. Right. And I'm on record many, many times at this point as saying that I do struggle with high fantasy because of the learning curve. And there's I a lot of happening in those don't worlds. care. I right. just don't care. Either throw me in mm -hmm. or or do something different because yeah. I do not, I'm not here to learn all these names and what all. I don't right. care. I don't, right. that's not what I'm here for. I want to be chucked in, right? Mm -hmm. Immersion. Get me in there. Um, also, I think like if we're talking about reading styles, I think that's where that comes in too. Because yes. the moment you tell me that I have to actively go to school to understand your world and to care about the people in your world, I am, you're triggering the eye there. Right. You're saying, Abigail, you have to you have to pay attention here, yeah. which I I don't even feel my human body when I read. Mm -hmm. Do not trigger the eye for me, because the moment you do, I you've lost me. You've taken yeah. me out of the book. If I'm immersed, then it's different because, yeah. again, I'm fine. I'm, I'll go. I'll follow you anywhere. Well, and I think that's such a great point because I'm just thinking about how, and I think a lot of us who are really avid, voracious readers have this experience. Like when I was a kid reading, my mom would call me and I would not hear her because I was mm -hmm. in the book. And I think that does happen for me with my books that I read that are romance, but I still think that there's this level of like, I'm immersed, but I'm still, like I'm the third person in the romance relationship. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, the, I'm the third wheel just like in the ca the carriage behind them or like the on the horse behind them or like, in the car behind them just like creepily watch I mean that's it's not creepy because I'm not real but like <laughs> in the book but like you know like I'm the one who's just yeah. like putting all these pieces together and like my favorite thing with either romance or fantasy or visual novels or what have you is when the pieces start coming together because it's like oh my uh -huh. god like the author like you said like they're crumbs and putting all the crumbs together to make like a cookie or whatever yeah. um and I think high fantasy is such a great example I'm glad you brought that up because I think for authors who can make it work, like I want to know how you were able to develop that writing style because you are so right that the moment it becomes homework, I'm out. And that's the case yeah. with everything. The moment that my work becomes homework, like, because this is not a paid job, it's volunteered. 
So if I'm not having fun with the games that I'm reading or play, you know, visual novels that I'm reading or games, board games that I'm playing, like, I'm not going to want to do it anymore. And I yeah. think with high fantasy, like, immerse me from the get-go. Give me some of the world building. I do want to know what the, you know, world yeah. politics are like, whatever. But if the first chapter is just 73 new names, which are also all spelled absolutely incomprehensibly for the <laughs> sake of high fantasy, you yeah. know, you lost me on page two. And frankly... yeah. There's probably a number of gems in my paranormal Kindle adventure that I've missed because the first page didn't grasp me. But I mean, yeah. I only have so much time to pick. So unfortunately, it is what it is. So, you know, I think high fantasy is the same way. If you can't get that person in the first chapter, like you're never going to get them back. No. And there are some people, obviously, like every reader is different. There's, yeah. Lord help me, there's a reason that uh, Sarah J. Mass is so popular. Like right. her books hit a lot of people, right? right. I right. read the first 25 pages of court of thorns and roses and i was like not for me yeah um and and that's not a that's not a strike against her it's just it's just not for me right um but for that reason is that i was like i don't care about any of these people (laughs) i know i i i am here for the characters i am here for them i want to i do not put myself in their shoes when i'm reading like i said i don't exist anymore when i'm reading so if I don't exist, they have to. Yeah. And if they are shallow on the page, if they don't hit me right away, right. I'm not I'm not there. I'm not yeah. there. Um and and so I, I I put the book down and go pick up something else or I pick up something that I've already read before that I know will take me there. Yes. Um yeah, Especially it's a, it's very interesting. Like visual novel, I mean with anything, right? Like you the whole point of having tropes is that there's somewhere to start from. And then making mm-hmm. them your own. And so that's why, like, I can read. And it's actually really funny. So in the Discord that I'm in from the author Kit Roka, um, <laughs> there's a joke that me and another one of the people in the Discord, like, the alpha hole spectrum is me mm-hmm. to her. She cannot stand, because she was reading romance much earlier, specifically paranormal romance earlier than I was. And so her threshold is, like, non-existent. If you are at all annoying, she's like, I hate this man. I'm going to murder him. Yeah. And I'm over here, like, I have a, I have a pretty high to- – I mean, I'm still pretty picky, too, but, like, I have a high tolerance of, like, what am I willing to deal with for this male yeah. – usually male character, though there have been a few really solid attempts at uh, female – well, female, you know what I mean, woman alphas, and yeah. I want more of that. But, like, this idea of, like, how do you take this trope of, like, cranky grumpy you know like grumpy would be sunshine right like everyone loves that trip like how do you take that and elevate it and make it so that even though i've already read this 1000 times i want to read it another time right and i think that's what's really cool about visual novels is that even with the tropes of like you know (laughs) especially notome which is you know usually a girl who's um going to be interacting with a bunch of different guy characters though there are some Mm -hmm. notome that have included a non-binary character or or another woman to date which i love and that's another thing. Like a lot of the visual novels are really expanding uh, in yes, diversity, they are. which is yeah. great. Although I would still love to see more. Like I still haven't seen as many disabled love interests and fat love interests, no. but that's a problem and everything, yeah. unfortunately. So essay for another day. But yeah. what's really cool is you get to see like, even if it's the same exact like, oh, I work at a tea shop or I work at this place. And, you know, we have like the, the stoic one and the one who's really kind. And, and it's actually hilariously enough. Otome vision novels remind me of why I choose romance tropes, which is usually that there's the grumpy asshole guy who's like, oh, this girl, she gets on my nerves, I can't stand her, how dare I be in love with her? The one who's like the cute little puppy dog who follows her around and loves her and is like, guys, be nice to her, she's our mate, because I only read paranormal stuff. And, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, the one who's, like, the intelligent one usually has glasses and is, like, the in-between of, like, oh, she's really cool. Like, I'm trying to intern. Also, oh, God, boss doesn't love her. And, you know, sometimes they interact with each other romantically as well. And sometimes it's just all three or four of them focused just on the woman. But I think that happens a lot in Otome routes because, and in visual novels in general, where it's, like, you have these tropes that you know that you can do it well. But then when you twist it or when the really grumpy guy ends up being the one who's actually really soft and the the originally the guy you think is going to be like super into her is like, uh, no, thank you. I'm not into this. She is my allergy, LOL. Um, it's this, hey. like, <laughs> it's, this hey. hilarious, <laughs> it's this hilarious thing where it's like then it turns into, wait a second, this is so much fun because now even though I know what to expect, I'm being taken on this trip where yeah. there's still stops on the way where I had no idea we were going to stop there. I don't know why yeah. this turned into a road trip allegory, but it just did. And that wasn't on All purpose. Romance the original trip, was. This secretly. one wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. And I, again, I think it all comes down to the fact that, like, the, the thing that visual novels are doing that a graphic novel can't do, that a romance novel can't do, is give you infinite, seemingly, choice and 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 uh like variation there and you can just play and of course there are invisible boundaries that that the player can't see but when you when you play it it feels immense it feels like you can do anything you can pick any route and there's always fun surprises behind every corner which you can't do in in other formats and that's what makes it so wonderful and and i i that's why i'm really happy i'm really glad to see that there's so many cool things happening and so many incredibly talented people and teams of people who are doing these really cool things that i'm like in awe of because i wouldn't even know where to begin right um and it's and it's it's just really wonderful and i'm and i'm really glad you were able to come on and talk to me about it today buddy Thank you for having me. And I will say the one other thing, just so I don't forget, I think too, mechanically what's happening in the visual novels is a lot of fun where obviously there's only so many choices, but even the choices that you're offered, some creatives, just because, you know, they're really trying to essentially break the mold in a lot of ways and break the game system itself. Um, I love Love Shore for this and a couple of other games where there's this like RPG style tactic where you have to get enough points and it's, that's always been the case, but they tell you up front, like, hey, you didn't get enough points for this dialogue option, which means you go back and try to get it, right? And you, so you try yeah. to play the game different ways. And um, there's this other game that isn't out yet. I am just blanking on the name. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to remember because I played, like, four of these back-to-back that, because they're all demos. But the idea is that you also, in between each ra- round or each part of the chapter of the story, you also pick what you're going to do for the people who live in your, in your um, kingdom. So it's like yeah. this really cool way of, again, like adding that extra level of interaction to get that extra buck out of, you know, bang for the buck of you spent money on this game. Yes, it's replayable, but what will make you really continue to play, which I just think yeah. is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, buddy, uh, this is the end of the episode. So if you have pluggables, now's the time to plug. Okay. Well, you can find me on the Fundamentals, and I will, again, send... The link, but my author name on there is Sahara as well. You can find me on Twitter under C-H-O-T-O-R-A-N-I-I, which hilariously enough is a reference to a Bangladesh fairy tale. I'm always consistent. And <laughs> yeah, if you want visual novel recs or just want to know more, feel free to tweet at me. I'm always up for that. And mm-hmm. I think that's yes. really everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, we we did a fun interview, uh, you you and I over on the yes. fundamentals uh, about the MPU. So if you want to read that, just me going off about world building and you all should. That There's some spoilers too, and it's really cool. There's a couple of little spoilies in there uh, for for various and sundry. Um, but but yeah, if you're if you're wondering how how I do things, I mean, Lord knows if you listen to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about it before. But like, <laughs> I I get know. pretty deep into yeah. it. And there's there's a little something something for another maybe series book thing. Maybe possibly in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I I still haven't heard back from that agent, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh man. All right. So speaking of, I got stuff happening. All the things, all the time. Vital is going on right now. Uh, it's we're gonna probably have like three, two. Three chapter? I don't. I don't know. I've got Lord knows with a two week schedule and I'm all messed up. There are going to be a few episode episodes chapters out on the Patreon of Vital. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, um, and it's a it's quite something. It's quite something. It's a very different. hefty. It's very very hefty. There's a lot of lore. <laughs> a lot of we talk all about the lore then Vital all the lore. It's very yes. fun. Spoiler alert, I've read a, a chapter, and we'll have bread threats that are available by the time this is out, so yeah, come join our... It's, it's, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot going on in there. There's, a, a more horror elements than I think I've, uh, put in my Which stuff before. Which is also funny, considering our conversation today. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, and it was funny, because I didn't, I've never considered myself a particularly dark writer, but I've also never considered right. myself a fluffy writer, necessarily, which, right. I'm, so I'm, I'm always kind of surprised when people describe my stuff as being cute, because I'm always mm. like, I... I've I've done some I've done some bad things to those characters anyway. Um, but that being said, I've recently come to realize that I was a straight up edge lord in my early writing days, which y'all have not seen. Um, and so like going back and reading, I'm like, damn, Abigail, Jesus, <laughs> like, what were you? Everything's so dark and angsty and sad, and everyone's mean to each other. I don't know. I was very very edgy. Um, and so it. For me, I as I've been writing Vital, it's been a, a bit of a it's been a bit of a treat because I feel like I'm channeling that Abigail, and it's it's very fun. Um, but of course, everyone gets around me. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and then also, Burden's Bonds is going on. Uh, that's that's a hoot and a half, I think. Um, lots of chapters of that now. Uh, as as the the crow flies anyway. Um, <laughs> and. Boy, howdy! A lot of books, a lot of books coming out, huh? A lot of books coming out. <laughs> you have like five question marks yeah. between now and this, like the next first quarter of next year. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Because there's some books coming out. the The tail end of the year is going to be wild. There's a lot of books coming out the tail end of the year, um, and then. January we'll probably have a release. I think the January is when the Merman book will come out. And then, <gasps> Happy birthday to me! <laughs> and then like March we'll probably have another. Will probably be book four. March or April is when that will release to the world because we'll have started serialization by then of book four. So everything's moving. Everything's trucking. Trucking along. Have a vacation soon. I I need a vacation so bad. I'm thinking of last night. I was thinking about what if I just rented a coffin, and and I got an <laughs> oxygen tank, and some <laughs> snacks and a bedpan, and someone just kind of 
I'll see you in a week, fam. Oh Just pop me in there. I want total sensory deprivation. I really love, like, one of my friends does this for her birthday. She just, for a weekend, goes to a random, like, not super expensive hotel, but, like, a nice one. So it's, like, you know, 70 bucks a night for, like, two nights. Mm-hmm. So she just goes and lives in the hotel for the weekend. And that's, like, just the way she enjoys her I'd, birthday. I'd love to do that. There are no hotels that that are that no, price in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe if you can yeah. find, like, a not-cursed Airbnb owner or something. Or, you know, just, just yeah. take care of yourself. Burnout is bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I think I just, I think I just need to, I think I just need to rent a cabin in the woods somewhere. Um, I mean, another electricity fully free the... or one, or just maybe a little electricity, just, just for a treat. Yeah, just some, <laughs> just, just, just enough that if like I die or something, sure. or, or you know, uh, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I have plans because I literally was looking at my release schedule yesterday Good. and I was like, I mean, yeah. I'll just yell at you because we have the relationship now, and you're gonna be like, "Damn, why did I respond to any of her Instagram messages?" <laughs> <laughs> Never, no regrets, no regrets. This has been delightful. I'm so happy I got to see a beautiful face and have Thank you on. You for me. This was great. I've literally been looking forward to this for like a month because. Um, oh, the other thing I didn't mention in my introduction is I am a PhD student. So my real life job is doing that. So this has just been absolutely beautiful and wonderful. So thank you for having so, me. And I hope those of you who are listening find some new games to play. Yes, definitely. And report back. Um, all of the all of the links will be in the description. As always, you can find everything. The link to the fundamentals I will I will put in there as well. It's a great website. You can find pretty much anything you're looking for on there. Um, board games, romance novels. All of it, everything in between. <laughs> That's the spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, and, TV, uh, and we just try to essentially. Yeah. The really nice thing about us is because we are not corporatized in any way, shape, or form. Simultaneously hard because AdViews run the site, so that's you know, AdViews or AdViews. But at the same time, it allows us to just focus on what we love. Like we will yeah. only focus on things we enjoy, and or, um, really pick apart the things that frustrate us because we are just that nerdy. So yeah. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's that's and also quite rare on the internet these days. So, um, it's extremely valuable. Um, and there's just a lot of great stuff on there. So well, you can you. also just kick it, kick it, uh, online. Follow us here on Twitter. Yes. Uh, and I love making all... new friends and yelling about yes. my opinions. Clearly, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll definitely have you back on because you're you're a blast to talk to. So. Perfect. Um, we will see each other again, and Yay. listeners, you will see us again also probably most likely definitely me at least all right (laughs) that's the end of the episode i'll talk to y'all next week Bye. bye kingdom of thirst is a member of the frolic podcast network find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts